Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Breaking news. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From the beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code UNFILTERED20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. Say say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologically tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the Beard Shampoo and Conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's Beard Oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making your look extra fine. Tap off the kit with the Beard Bomb, a uh, pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. Manscaped Beer Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode two, uh, 324. I'm your host, Blaine Padve, and I'm joined now by a very special guest, Someone that I've been trying to get for a little while and finally got him. Simon Salikas, welcome to the show. Dane, how you doing? Oh, great now. It's uh, you know, bucket list check. Got Simon on the show. Eef. Yeah, okay. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. We all have we all have our uh our little little bucket list check uh, checklists and hey, one by one, I'm checking them off. That's it, man. Why not? It's a great thing. It's it's funny because uh, you we couldn't do this twenty years ago. I don't, I don't want to get old man on you or anything like that. But you know, I, I, here 
in the city, you know, Melnick and Mitch Garber used to do a uh, sports radio and uh, grew up a lot with a guy named Ted Teven. And uh, you, you never got to chat with them. You never got to do anything with them, you know? So, and whether it's just, uh, you know, listener or, you know, social media friends or stuff like that, it's, it's cool. I enjoy doing this. Yeah. I really like how the world kind of seems smaller because of this. It really, it's, like how technology is going but at the same time i don't it's kind of weird there's the parent in you and me too yeah yeah exactly we're talking like, about how, how do i wife. protect my kids from it exactly we're talking about it with my wife like uh, both daughters got phones in grade seven right because he started to take the city bus and get on the bus and this yeah. and that and heaven forbid your kid goes to school and doesn't have a a cell phone I don't know what the consequences and I don't know what kind of therapy those kids would have to go into if they weren't the ones that showed up without a cell phone. Well, my youngest one's 13. He doesn't have one yet. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Keep it up. Good luck with that. You're like a hero. <laughs> he just doesn't, he, he, the school's just right here. It's a, like a 20 minute walk from the front door mm-hmm. and walk to school, walk back. He gets home. He plays video games all day. So why does he need a phone? There you go, man. That's good. I like that. I like that. And even if he had one, he'd never answer it anyway. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when you when you're when you're searching for them or you're you're calling for them, uh, very rarely uh, you go you go straight to voicemail. You know, especially those teenage girls. The worst. Ooh. The worst. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that because my PTSD will kick in on my uh, <laughs> on raising teenage daughters. There you go. Um, okay, so. For, uh, Today we'll just uh, we're just going to talk about the trade and uh, the deadline coming up. We'll shoot the breeze and eh, whatever we talk about, we talk about. I don't want to take up too much of your time, so um, why don't we just start with the trade? Uh, Gurianov, what do you think of that move? Um, I loved it, and I joined the morning show and you know, and they had asked us, "Is it a home run?" I said, "It's not a home run, but it's a triple." And Connor felt it was a single, but I felt it was a triple just because I, I'm, it's the low expectations, but you really got rid of an asset that was, I'm not going to say worthless. That's an ugly word, but there wasn't a lot of value there. I, I love the signing. Again, I love the signing in the off season for Dodonov. And I like those one year. I think, you know, you sprinkle, if, if you're not a team that you think is playoff bound, not a bad thing to sprinkle your lineup with a couple of guys that you just hope, man, get the 16, 17 goals, you know, maybe get the 40 points and then, you know, you're seeing what some of these players are going for come deadline. Uh, they're valuable assets, but it didn't play itself out like that with the Canadians and the Donov. So I, I don't think there's a much value there. And I'm thrilled that it wasn't a fifth pick, a fourth pick, or something along those lines. Highly likely a player that was never going to play. Uh, and if he was going to play, it was probably going to be in two, three years from now. So they got an asset. Uh you can say bigger, stronger, faster, younger as well. And this kid's got 20 games to showcase himself. And whether he's part of this team going forward or, he's, or he wants to showcase himself for somebody else, um, you know, you, you bet on, on him a little bit. But I, I like the move. It's, again, you know, I don't take this over a second-round pick, but I just don't believe a second-round pick was on the table here. I, I, I think they were probably getting – stuff in the fourth and fifth rounds, if anything. So they said, you know what, let's roll the dice. So I, I liked it a lot. I really did. I'm looking at the return and it's, it's Dadanov at 50%. So it's two and a half million to Dallas. 
Dallas gives up a player that in their mind is probably a bust making 2.9. So mm-hmm. they get a more proven asset. They save money. So that kind of shows the level of value that Dadnov had. So to, to get something of an, an, an actual NHL player in return, I I think that's a good, that's a good trade-off. And even if he doesn't turn out, he's a warm body to fill a role in the NHL. And that, that keeps them from having to call up someone else from Laval. And with Laval going for a playoff run here, they're trying to make the playoffs. Pulling more of the, more players out of there would just be detrimental to that. I, I, absolutely. And I, I think I like it for Dallas too, right? I, I, there's been moments, like, I don't think the Donoff hurts you. I don't think he's a liability out there. And he does have a, a, a history with, you know, the Stars, uh, you know, coaching staff. So I think there's a positive there. So I'm, I'm even looking for Dallas perspective. You're so loaded with your top six that if you can just start to plug in maybe, you know, some NHLers who also, you know, like if he's playing for a contract next year and he wants to showcase himself a little bit, man, that's a good team to do it. You're probably going to get not tons of responsibilities, very limited power play time. But, you know, I think Lekkanen's a better player than him. But look look what Lekkanen did yeah. when he was pressed into that. Higher up in the lineup. I do think Lekkanen is more talented, but he got to, to showcase himself at the highest level and it, and it really paid off for him. So I think both teams got what they wanted. Uh, Dallas is going to sit there and pray that, you know, he kind of fills out their bottom six. And again, the Canadians got somebody that they can plug And You're right about the Laval team, right? Because, you know, the Habs, it's not a been, it's, it's been a bad year. Um, and the Laval team has been kind of hot and cold. Uh, I'm a big believer that, you, the American Hockey League has to see some type of success. It's nice to develop, which is probably, you know, that's the mandate. That's what you want to get done. But, you know, I look at the, the way the Lightning did it uh, a few years ago when John Cooper started in the American Hockey League team. They won championships. And you kind of started that, and then you start to plug guys into your lineup that know how to win, know what it takes to win, don't like losing. Um, so, you know, the Laval team, you know, how long does Raphael Harvey Pernard stick around? Maybe Belzil goes back down? Because I think I'd say you owe it to them, but that team's put himself back into a playoff contention. And I think, you know, maybe sending a couple of players back wouldn't be a bad thing either. Well, they sent Schooneman back yesterday, uh, just before heading out to San Jose. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to help them defensively. They, their defense has been decimated because of all the call-ups as well. Uh, hell, losing Barron really, really hurt them. Yeah. And as, as excited as fans are to see Barron in the NHL and Justin doing starting to find his feet. Uh, Laval could have really used him. I, I think they would have been probably be, instead of being in fourth in their division, they might be third, yeah. maybe second, had they kept him. It's in, it's funny how that played itself out, right? Like you had Caden Gooley who was playing at a high level, and I think he's penciled himself in as a top-pairing guy going forward. Um, you know, I, I don't know if how – I'm still – I want to see how – easy the offense comes to him I, I don't think it will I don't think it has to I, I don't think he's that guy uh but a little bit of that silver lining that Gooley went down is we got to see a little bit more of Harris and Barron at the expense of uh some development or maybe not development because I don't think the guys have looked that bad out there but some wins and losses at the expense of the Laval Rocket uh you know standings but uh, I really like what I've seen from Bar- Barron and Harris um and i just 
going forward, I think this team, when they eventually turn the corner, I think it's going to be led by that blue line. Uh, you know, I think Matheson will be part of it. Logan Mayu, Lane Hudson, maybe somebody in free agency would be nice. Uh, Jack I as well, he fits in. He probably has his spot more solidified than anybody else because of what he brings and what he provides. The other guys don't. But a little bit of that silver lining from the Kading Gulu going down sucks for the Rocket. But getting to see Barron play on a at the NHL on a regular, I think that's a very big deal. I think that I think that's actually massive. It's a little bit underplayed. But coming into next year, he's going to put what 60, 70 NHL games in. That's a big number. That's a nice number. Yeah, and seeing all the rookies on the blue line, all of them performing so well through the year uh, at different times, of course, um, yeah. and, and some games all at the same time. There was a couple of games where they they had five rookies on the blue line. So the, the level of play that they've provided, you can't really complain about the how they've produced and how they've played, which says quite a bit about the future because if they're already at that level now, they'll improve a little bit. And I mean, they're all mobile. They all can, they all box out well. They all, there's a, there's different levels of physicality clearly yeah. with the Jack eye there too. Ghoulie. And once they get that, once they get that anchor defenseman added to that blue line, I don't think it, I think that's really the biggest piece of a re, of the rebuild at that point. I think so too. And I think that, um, you know, Nick Suzuki is a very good player, uh, you know, for him to get to a point of game player, I think there's a lot of, you know, he's got to develop and he's got to get better and Cole Caulfield's got to get better. But my goodness, it's going to be a lot easier for Nick Suzuki to get to that 82-point mark when his blue line consists of four, maybe five individuals uh, that know how to carry the puck out, know how to out that, the ability to transition from defense to offense like like that. I think it matters. You look around the league, you know, we talk about the brilliant season the Bruins are having and Bergeron, Pasternak. I, I don't believe it's that. I, those guys are elite and Bergeron's going straight to the Hall of Fame, but uh, Lindholm and McAvoy uh, and everybody else on that blue line. I, you look at Carolina too. Uh, there's not a lot of guys in Carolina. I think Sebastian Ajo might be the only guy that's a point of game player. Uh, they come at you, you know, they come at you by committee. But again, I think both those two teams, the two best teams, I think, and throwing the Rangers the hell in there too. If, on the blue line, nobody handles uh, the puck. I'll go military here on you. Nobody handles the puck like a hand grenade. It's they know what to do with it. Gone are the days of just, you know, get it out off the glass. They jump into transition. And you, you talked about when they had those five rookies in the lineup. I remember like the Super Bowl weekend, um, the, the two o'clock games or whatever they were. Uh, got yeah. to watch every minute of those games. And that was a great weekend for those young blue liners. So I'm with you. Uh, this team's going to turn the corner and everything's going to help. Right. And I think if it's Montebo or Allen or whoever is in net, they're only going to benefit from having guys in front of them know what to do with the puck. And that also means in the offensive end, like we, we always talk about how good you have to be in your own end of the rink. And like Connor McDavid is, is brilliant at playing defense. It just happens to be his defense is with the puck completely the other side of the rink and him in possession with it. So that's a, that's a great way to play defense too. You just don't give your opponents yeah. the puck. So I think with these young blue liners, they're going to help. The entirety, uh, you know, get get the Suzuki in the puck in better places. Get Caulfield the, the puck in better places. You hope somebody can find a little bit of that on the power play, uh, and, and you go from there. 
Well, the power play since the All-Star break, ironically, since Caulfield's been hurt and out, has looked amazing. It's uh, it's clicking at about 25% now, whereas before the All-Star break, they were at about 12 to 13%. Crazy. It, it, it's a it's night and day difference. Yeah. Uh, it's just amazing that you could be like at 12%. Like it's, it's hard to do. Um, and it, it, it's baffling. Like it just, you look at this team, this might be a bad year. Cause even with a good power play, I, they're not playoff bound, but like, you're just hoping like, you don't want to be terrible. Like not good would be, might be good enough for them. Like not being not good on the power play is like really, really a great progression for them. It, it's, it, it concerns me a little bit because I find Nick Suzuki is comfortable with the puck and, and Cole Caulfield knows what he needs to do and Matheson as well. Um, you know, you know, if you, you just got a little bit more out of Drew this year on the power play, it would have been better. Uh, I just, that's something that I find a little bit like they need to be better. And I, I got to put a little bit of that on Nick Suzuki and, and maybe Cole Caulfield. I don't know. Uh, you have a guy that was averaging almost point a game for a stretch and you had a guy going for 40, 50 goals, but somehow they couldn't get it done on the power play. So that's, that's something that needs to get better as soon as, you know, quickly, quickly. I, I think with the power play, they were, it was basically just them. There was no other options. It was, defenses had a bit, of, a little bit of better time, uh, easier time teeing it up and yeah. defending against it. But now with Matheson back, he's actually helping the power play. And I think if Caulfield, uh, well, Hoffman right now is in that Caulfield spot and he's producing there. But with Matheson back, with Drouin actually playing the way he is, I think maybe if Caulfield were in that spot, the power play would look even better. Yeah, I, I just wish that they'd be, I find it with, with the power play, even Nick Suzuki, who I don't think is a small player because he's. I, I think he's like 5'11", 200. And once you start getting to the 200 mark, it's hard for me to call you a a small player, uh, but Caulfield definitely is. And, um, you know, Gallagher and Druin, it just, how many times are you going to win a puck battle, right? Below the line, below the dots. Yeah. The, that's where I found they suffered a little bit, just their inability to win those puck battles, um, which is something I think Armia, the, the kind of, you know, I look at his game and you look at the stature, you look at the size, you would think he should be better at that. And Anderson, should be better at that as well. And they won't, and they weren't, sorry. So again, uh, losing those puck battles, never getting possession is is, uh, is tough on them. Now you, you bring up a couple of names that uh, I was going to talk about here a little bit uh, later on, but heck, you brought them up. So Drouin and Armia, like the, uh, the, all the big names in the trade deadline, they're all off the board now, uh, except for Kane, who, we all, everybody thinks he's going to the uh, the Rangers here within the next day or so. But other than that, it's all smaller names, a uh, little bit, a little unknowns, like a, a Tanner Geno, who got a King's Ransom, which kind of opens up the door a little bit to a possibility that he, uh, Hughes can actually move someone like an Armia or a Drouin. Um, I like, I think if you're a general manager out there and you're willing to pay, I don't think the Canadians can ask for much for Julian. Uh, but I just use the classic, you know, he played with Nathan McKinnon and they were really good at junior. That means absolutely nothing, but as you know, bad at his tenure here, it was a fail. 
you know, Drouin, when you look at the complete body of work, it, it, it didn't work out. But I'm if I'm a general manager out there and I just want like my 13 forward, even if he doesn't dress, he doesn't play somebody that with that skill set, um, I I I throw it out there. Like I, I don't know if you're Pittsburgh there and you're you're kind of sinking, you got a couple of games in hand. What parting ways with a fourth or a fifth for Jonathan Drouin? I'd give that a ride. They gave Alex Galchenyuk a shot, didn't they? A couple of years ago. Like I'd give uh, I'd give Drouin a look like Man, next to Sidney Crosby, why not? Uh, you know, small sample size, four or five games, kid, you can't turn it up. Upstairs you go. Uh, we get into the playoffs, a couple of, you know, blown groins, a tweaked knee, and, and you find yourself back in the lineup. I would do it. I just think with Armia, uh, Blaine, I don't see anybody taking any tenure. That's the problem. No. no. Uh, and I think it might serve the Canadians well because maybe Edmondson sticks around for a little bit and then next year with no tenure left on his contract, maybe uh, the return for him may be greater. It just seems like right now uh, hard to move players that have term still left, you know, salary cap going up by not enough. Um, and Armia is definitely a player that I would, uh, I'd move up off, you know, I'd move on from definitely if I had that opportunity and if you yeah. could just walk away from, I don't think the Canadians are, should be in a position to swallow any, um, any money in return. If you want to take the asset, take the asset. Uh, but you know, with, you know, I had Brian wild on, on Saturday and he was talking about, you know, Joshua was got to get his look and Beck's got to get his look. I, I, I think they do. I don't know how many young guys I want to plug into the lineup, but if I can move on any contract that has tenure on it, I would look on that. Anderson's the one that's, I'm back and forth. Uh, if, you know, I was talking about it, if if Pittsburgh were to call, uh, I would take their first round pick next year. And you just kind of hope the same way that when Ottawa traded Mark Stone, uh, Eric Carlson, sorry, to San Jose, San Jose expecting to be a playoff team and they weren't. And I think they got Tim Strutzel off that deal, right? Because San yeah, Jose was did, yeah. that year. So, you know, I think maybe Pittsburgh... Uh, you know, Crosby and Malkin kind of seems like they owe him every deadline. They, they go out and make some type of acquisition. I think Anderson would be good, but I also like to see Anderson part of the, uh, part of the process going forward. I'm a big, uh, I'm, I'm buying everything that I'm reading about Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, being a have in the next year, year after. And I'm like Dubois and Anderson, they were good in Columbus. They're both well over six feet. They're both well over 200 pounds. Throw Slavkowski out there on a wing with them as well and go knock some people down so i'm living in that fantasy world i'm enjoying it actually it's it's a very nice place so i'd like well, to see anderson part of the process going forward but if you can get a first for him i definitely consider yeah. it well with with dubois it's um i know for a fact now he's going to be a montreal canadian because today uh, as we record it's the 27th he yeah. got hurt so uh, he guaranteed he's a hab there you go fits the profile <laughs> they're all hurt yeah yeah it's the profile not good. Not good. I didn't know he got hurt. Did he like a bad hurt or like? No, I think he tweaked something and they just okay. took him out of practice. Okay. Okay. I, I enjoy that Winnipeg team. Um, yeah. I know a little bit of the bad blood from when, when uh, Shifley ran Evans, but uh, I, I enjoy watching uh, Winnipeg play. And it's a nice little, nice little team there. So I'd like to see him get on a little bit of a heater there in the Western conference. Well, I'm more upset. They stole John Lou away from us. Dan Roberts. No disrespect to John Lou. I love John Lou. Yeah. But uh yeah, not having uh Dan was uh Dan was good times. I enjoyed having it. best thing, no, don't ever tell anybody and I hope this he never sees it. Like sometimes I text him during a game, he texts me during like the game, like I, I thought was it's so cool, you know. 
I tell them sometimes, please give me a shout out. <laughs> Just somehow find a way to mention my name. Those good times. But uh, yeah, they took two of our guys uncalled for. Well, Dan's a good blue noser, right? So yes, yes. He'll, he'll remind you of that immediately. Uh, oh yeah. But if we can go John Lou and Dan Robertson for Pierre-Luc Dubois, as much as, much as I love my boy, Dan Robertson, uh, that's a good trade for the Habs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the long term, you know, it's a younger asset. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look, Dan and John went to playoff bounce. So good for them. We get to enjoy a little bit of a postseason. And that's that you bringing it back to Pittsburgh in the postseason. I think you're right. Uh, Crosby and Malkin are there. They owe it to them to take a run. I don't know about Anderson being a piece there, but I mean, they could possibly grab uh, the Canadians could possibly try and sell them on. I don't know just about anything else, really. Uh, I know they'd want Matheson back right now. <laughs> so that'd be a King's ransom right there. Yeah. It's amazing. eh? like, how's good. He's, he's looked so well. And I was a big, I, I like, I was, I thought Jeff Petrie would excel there. Uh, yeah. I just, I think Jeff Petrie, um, I, I thought he was a great hab and he had four, whatever, five years. And he was terrible. Uh, his last year here, he was. He was absolutely terrible, but he had a good run. And I just thought everything with his wife in the States and family in the States, this was just a classic case of a guy just having enough, wanting to go home. Uh, you know, you go from, um, you know, three wins away from a Stanley Cup and you pull up next year and, you know, you're a lottery team pretty much coming out of the gate. Uh, I'm not I'm not, not making excuses for them, but sometimes it's just human nature. And I thought he was going to fit in really well in Pittsburgh, and he really hasn't. Uh, games kind of come undone this uh, the last two years. I'm a little bit surprised because he can still skate. Like yeah. you know, I tuned into the uh, a couple of their games. The last one I was was the Edmonton Pittsburgh game. I was expecting to see like a good game. It was not. Uh, Edmonton just ran him out of the gym. But uh, I've watched a couple of times. Petrie again doesn't look like the guy that was uh, good for uh, like half a decade. It's a good defenseman for half a decade here, you know, and then yeah. just completely fell off the cliff there. I think maybe they're they're relying on him a little too much. Just like when he was in Montreal and they he became that number one guy, he kind of couldn't, he didn't play to the level he normally would when that pressure was on him. So I, I think that has a lot to do with his, his performance so far this year. Could be, definitely. Um, you know, and... You know, even too, like we forget that he was pretty well insulated the the cup year, like you know, that was peak Ben Sherratt. Peak, peak. Never never played better in his life. And I don't think he'll ever be play at that level again. And Edmondson too. Edmondson was good with the uh, the St. Louis Cup run for certain. Uh, but I always talk about how you know Carey Price in that cup run and got a lot of the love and well deserved Shea Weber as well. But I thought Edmondson was great. Uh, in that uh, final run never gets enough credit as far as I'm concerned and Jeff Petrie really fit in well uh, with that group and then maybe when he you know, he's not as insulated he's not you know a little bit older maybe he's lost a step um, yeah. but I'm a little bit surprised that how quickly that game has dropped off yeah it's it's unfortunate I'm hoping he finds uh, he finds that step back again just in time for the playoffs so that I mean I'm kind of che I'm cheering for the guy. I want him to do well. I, I like him too. I, I'm a fan of the. Uh, I know on on Twitter it gets pretty ugly sometimes. I, I, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm always a fan of the guys that uh, play for the Habs. 
You know, like I cheered for Max Pacioretty uh, in in Vegas. I enjoyed PK in Nashville. You know, so I, I don't know. A lot of people ill will towards Petrie, but when you look back at the last, you know, ten years, uh, probably Markov, Subban, and Jeff Petrie. And, and if you look at the body of work, Jeff Petrie might even had a, a better run than. Uh, and Subban, Subban, you know, peak Subban was probably better than than peaks. Yeah, Petri, but there was a stretch there that guy held down a blue line uh, for a while there. So, and I, I like to see Pittsburgh in the playoffs too. I'm a little bit, of, I'm a sucker for the uh, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. No disrespect to Lou and his Islanders. Like, uh, you know, I I try to watch uh, Blaine, but they're I just still think the Islanders are a tough watch and don't need them. Uh, yeah. Like, the Penguins yeah. and the Bruins in the, in the in the first round. Penguins play a little bit more of a fun style, and mm-hmm. I know out here, being Halifax, uh, yeah. we've got an affinity for Crosby around these parts. No kidding. So if it's if it's not him, it's going to be we're going to cheer on uh, McKinnon. It's a good one-two so, punch you have there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not so much Brad Marchand. Not so no, much. Eh? He's not beloved. No. No. Seriously. No. Why? Yeah. It's Brad Marchand. It's Brad Marchand. Yeah. So would you say there, so if you were to rank the popularity of teams, one, two, three, just in and around your areas, who, who would be the Habs number one? Uh, I'd say they're more number two. Bruins okay. would be number one. Who? Bruins. The Bruins would be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And Pittsburgh would probably be three. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, well, it, we're, Boston and Halifax have a pretty close relationship. So all the Boston teams, Red Sox, uh, Celtics, Bruins, they, they're all pretty popular here. Okay. that's Which that. which was eye-opening when I moved here. Yeah. I did not know. It's freaking me out. Now, I don't know if I can visit yeah. uh, after getting these uh, news. This is uh, very disturbing. Um, well, it's not as disturbing as having Brad Marchant living four houses over. That, that way, four houses over from you? His parents are still there? What? No, him, his house. He has a house, four houses over. That's amazing. Yeah. This, how, he comes back every summer? Every summer. Oh, man. Have you had run-ins? No, I don't mean like uh, a <laughs> run-in. <laughs> to blows with Brad Marchand on the, on the drive? So, so you've come uh, you know, Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pa- walk past him. He's walking his dog. I'm walking mine. It's a, uh, you know, a little chin wag. Oh, I like uh, that. How you doing? That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay, great. That's funny. Uh, Every now I, and then, the boys on the other side of the lake would get drunk and they come over and, you know, put you know like flaming bag of poop on his deck or something. Other than guys, that, not so much. Amazing. That's amazing. Good for you guys. I'm proud of you guys. That's great. That's I, the the Pittsburgh fans over there. Yeah, that's what it is. Good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Well, he's on a good team though, man. So. Oh my God, they're killing it. I think it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't like it's this is a this should be the lead story. Like, if an NBA team was having this type of season, or you know, I, I guess an NFL team, you'd have to go like the Patriots, you'd have to start creeping up, but like, kind of like the Eagles did this year, like they went undefeated for so long. But what like yeah. the Bruins are doing this year, probably you know, it won't get it won't get a lot, it'll get a little bit of play. I think the guys on TSN 69, everybody gives them credit, but the year that they're putting together. Um, man, uh, it's historic. It's historic. Like when you start looking and your comparables are the late, 
uh, Habs teams of the 70s. And it's it's incredible that just because like they're good on paper, but you know, they they did have to, you know, drag David Krejci out of retirement. So you come back and you think, okay, well, you know, David Krejci is good. I'm gonna, you know, give him a good few minutes. The guy's been brilliant, but you know, where Patrick's Bergeron mind was, I was wasn't sold that he was gonna come back and have a great year. He had one foot out the door. And a lot of those times when you're that pro athlete that's got one foot out the door, you come back and maybe you go through the motions, you regret coming back. But man, they've been uh, they've been great. The goalie's gonna win a Vezina. Uh Bergeron's gonna win He's something. Allmerk's outsc- outscoring Drew A. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. I that's know. Not good. I know. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know who can I don't know who could beat them. Uh, I think I I like the O'Reilly acquisition with t- Toronto. I think that's a big time move. Yeah. And a move that fits well against uh, the Bruins. Um, but you know, will Toronto get to face off against the Bruins? I'm looking at the bottom of the division, the bottom of the of, of the conference. I can't see anybody even sh- for a minute shocking. Like the Rangers, if I had to pick somebody that can uh, knock off the, the Bruins, but what a great year. Uh, it pains me, but uh, yeah. they're my arch rival playing. Like I know that uh, people, you know, you and I follow a lot of the same people on social media yeah. and people have an incredible dislike for the Leafs. I honestly don't get it. Uh, like I've seen one in my lifetime. Somebody told me that the Leafs and the Habs played in the seventies. I don't recall it. Not a minute of it. I've seen one playoff series in my entire life. It went exactly the way I, I I wanted it to go, down three one and then beating them four three like it would I couldn't have written a better script, and my whole life you know and I started watching hockey probably, I remember the cups of the late seventies I remember like you know the family uncles yeah. dad and older brothers around the house it was on I remember them winning I, I you know I couldn't dissect the game or anything, and then the eighties and nineties was just Habs Bruins, Habs Bruins and it, it baffles my yeah. mind when I hear like people tell me. Oh, I Leafs Bruins. I I rather the Bruins win. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's like saying Nordiques and 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 Leafs, and you would rather the Nordiques win. No, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's Bruins, Nordiques, and then everybody else. So, should well, be growing up in my house. Yeah, well, growing up in my house, it's all hats except for one cousin who is a Nordique fan. So when the team finally moved, yeah, we told him he had to leave the family. That's it. Yeah, go to Colorado. Go to Colorado. Yeah. That's it. It's only uh, the only way to go. But like he grew up in Nordique. It's funny, eh? Wow, Nordique fan. Uh, you don't just because you don't find a lot of Nordique fans outside of like Quebec. Like I'm sure yeah. if you go to Toronto, there's Bruins fans. Just like Montreal has a big, you know, big, pretty big Bruins community and. Uh, probably, you know, in New York and stuff like that. I just don't hear a lot of uh, Nordiques fans outside of uh, outside of Quebec. Well, growing up in uh, Rouen, Vadal, Tibiscanang, okay. you know, Northern Ontario, Northern Quebec. So the family's all kind of spread around there. Yeah. And uh, everybody, it's all French up there too, right? So it's Montreal or Quebec. There wasn't much else. No, no, that was a good that- time. That one cousin who got hit in the head too many times chose the Nordiques. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah, listen, but that's that that's sports right there. We gotta love it. Yeah, yeah, and he's been disowned ever since. 
Listen, I'd like to tell you he doesn't deserve it, but uh, you know that's what you, that's what Charlie does. It's, that's it's par for the course, man. I had a daughter. I was telling the story yesterday. Like we went to Europe last year, and I told my daughters, everybody get a baseball cap. You know, it gets hot and this and that. And so I take my daughters to you know one of these stores that sells baseball caps. One daughter comes back. She knows where her bread is buttered. She comes back with her Lakers cap, nice white, a little bit of yellow, perfect. Other daughter comes back with a Raptors cap. I'm like, what the hell you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? This is terrible. So she's going to pay for that one day. But uh, that's what it is. Yeah. I can't say much. I've got uh, my youngest brother lives just outside Toronto now. And uh, he's he goes to all the Raptors games. And really? I feel bad for him. I really do. It's a part of me that likes the fact that he's going to NBA basketball games now. That's the uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah. That's the point but that I'm a little bit jealous. Not gonna lie to you. He's around Toronto though. I mean, eh. uh, I, I, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Went to a went to a baseball game last year. Um, I was nice. It was nice. I missed that a little bit. Not a, I, I don't watch as much baseball as I once did. Uh, but just sitting third base, foul territory. Uh, a couple of hot dogs and stuff like that. It was like, that was the first time that I really, really missed baseball. Like uh, that was a nice experience. I don't know how many times I can do it. Uh, yeah. Sure. You know, half a dozen times. Um, you know, I remember when the expos were here, a lot of the times I would, you know, you go and watch Barry Bonds. You went to watch, uh, uh, you know, Greg Maddox pitch. You, you, you went to the park to just watch Mark McGuire. So uh, it was nice. It was the, the Yankees and the Red Sox last year. And it was, Really nice atmosphere. Really nice atmosphere. Yeah, it's uh I I really do miss the expos and my dad used to take me to a lot of games and I, I haven't really watched baseball since they left. No Not really. I, I think it's tough. I think it's I know you know, I can say that I, I watch a lot of NFL and but I grew up without a team in my backyard. But the baseball for me hard to to watch a lot of baseball when there isn't a team in your backyard you know i know a lot of guys everybody does it with their soccer with their premiership and stuff like that i think we're just born into that but i think when you lose something like blaine i remember my favorite thing was to see the, the expos box score to get home and watch sports center to see what the expos did and then stick around because it, what mattered even more was an, a, an atlanta braves loss you know like yeah. that was like when the Habs play a game, I watch the game. Very rarely do I go and see what the Bruins did that night or what the Leafs did that night. When the highlight comes on, I'll watch it. Uh, but, you know, that was the one thing with baseball. Like, it mattered. what it, it matters in all sports, but it just seems like it matters a little bit more uh, in baseball what your division rival is doing. So that I remember, like, so it was a little bit tough to watch baseball when you didn't have a team in your backyard. It is. It. I. I don't know if I'll. Uh, I was kind of hoping they'd come back with the Tampa Bay Rays moving to Montreal, but yeah, even that, that I don't know. I think. It, I. I think it also. It's. It's healthy when you have a baseball team. Uh, I think it. It. It help. It, it's healthy because it, there's a little bit of a disconnect, even for a few months, uh, from the hockey team. And yeah. I think that sometimes when you don't have that distraction. distraction 
Uh, I see it with, you know, with the TSN 690 callers and stuff like that. There's a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of pent up aggression against the hockey team. It's just because there's no disconnect. There's no time to excel. Uh, you're not distracted. It's the only show in town. You know, I, I would imagine, you know, back in the day, and I wasn't on the station uh, when they, they had the expos, or it might have been maybe for like a year or two. And you know, come July, August, September, maybe a little bit of a pen and push before the Habs got into it, you were distracted. You weren't, you didn't care yeah. everything, every, you know, what Lane Hudson ate for breakfast on in the middle of August or, you know, Josh Ottawa, you know, bench pressed only 185, seven town, seven times. And let's go to Twitter and break that down. What does it mean for his upper body strength? And, uh, but it was nice. It was a healthy distraction for sure. And that's something I think the city misses. Well, at the very least, people are learning math by uh, breaking down Roy's bench press. I mean, really, yeah. the angle that he lifts at, and yeah. you know, they're he learning fractions. Talk up, up? Was he wearing gloves or like? Yeah. Dissected every single way. Yeah. You got to find ways to teach kids, uh, get kids into math, so they can find themselves good jobs. Whatever works. Whatever works. <laughs> Um, but back to, because it is a hockey uh, podcast, we'll get back to a little bit of hockey here. Now, Edmondson and Gooley were paired up at practice today in San Jose. Um, they took regular rotation and it looked like Baron was kind of the, the odd man out. Um, I'm not, I, I don't know. Does that seem kind of like they're, they're going to showcase Edmondson if he plays? I think so. 1000%. I, I listen, I, I think that there could be trades in place. Uh, just like Monaghan, uh, you know, I'm not saying that somebody else is going to set your lineup, but if you have people who have expressed interest in Edmondson and Monaghan, they don't need to tell you that we'd like to see him play a game or two uh, before we can commit to a first or second or third or whatever pick you decide to give up. Uh, I think it's, it's, I think that's exactly what they're doing. I saw, uh, I think it was Arpin who tweeted uh, the lineups. I think that Jouin taking shifts, second line center. Now, again, I don't know how much you can showcase in Blaine. Like, I don't, I, I don't think if he puts together a good stretch, people forget what happened at the beginning of this year and last year, but I think it shows a little bit of something, a little bit of signs of life. So with Edmondson, absolutely. Uh, definitely. You want to get him out there uh, and you want to get him a, a couple of looks. You know, I, I know that today it seemed like it was popular. Darren Dreger talking about maybe the Habs and the Oilers. That's exactly what they need. And Ed, Edmondson is exactly yeah what they need now can the math work for one more year on the contract it seems like it's become pretty uh trendy now that you're getting a third team involved to swallow up some cap space and they're compensated for that in some shape way or form whether it's a draft pick or a prospect but that's exactly what edmonton needs so if you get him a couple of minutes here on the west coast i think it i think it matters a lot nice to see Gouli back out there i, I didn't expect him back yeah. uh this year uh good to see him come back and Baron, it's good. Odd man out. That's fine. We can live with that, right? For a game or two, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's definitely part of the process. You know, Savard will be another interesting one. Uh, he's yeah. Late. Uh, I just don't know how much. Like, you look at Edmonton and, and their issues for a long time, right? When they had Taylor Hall, and Jordan Everly, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Yakupov. And it was just young guy after. And the lineup was littered with guys that tore up the juniors and wherever they came from. But there was no any type of, you know, 
substance when it came to veteran leadership. And you got to be, I think the Canadians got to be careful with that too. You know, you know, Matheson, yeah, he's a vet, but there's also, you know, you know, it's a Vard and Edmondson. I think somebody has to come back. Um, and just kind of like the, the thing with, with Matheson is like, he's not like, just, he should be only worried about playing at a high level, not being an influencer or a calming influence or a rah-rah guy or to hit the speeches between periods, like just allow him to play his game. And that, that should be enough. So I'm wondering how much the Canadians want to take this. Cause I, I got to think like you're looking at some of the, the deals that were made. Like I can't see how somebody's not calling for Savard or for Edmondson. Oh, the ridiculous prices that two GMs are paying. I mean, I know, uh, but he's was going to take a lot of heat for what he paid for Genoa. But Geno is making, I think it's 800000 so he fits their cap structure. He's the type of player that they needed to complete the team. Yeah. And winning another cup means a lot more than a first-round pick for them. So it fits. And, and with the veteran presence that you were talking about, uh, Savard, I think, fits perfectly. He's he's a good dish he knew. He, he's, he wanted to play in Montreal. He moved his family back. Uh, he's got the experience keeping him in the lineup until the end of his contract. And I think works out best because he, he would support the younger guys and insulate them well in that, in the room anyway. I, I think 100%. And I just don't know how, you know, with the Canadians, it's just like sometimes, you know, if you're the Rangers, uh, I don't know, LA, those, uh, I'm not, the Habs are a massive market, but you know, in, in hockey, a little bit different. And I don't know how, how often you can go and get help in free agency and you know if you were to let Savard walk and you go and find a version of Savard but that's a version of Savard that's never been in the locker room doesn't know what makes Baron tick doesn't know what makes Harris tick so you can bring an older guy it doesn't mean he's going to resonate with the younger players uh, I, I'm not inside that locker room uh, I, I don't know you know what the relationships are but I know that from the people that we speak to on and off the record, that's a good group. Uh, they don't win a lot of hockey games and they know that, uh, but that, that's a tight unit. And, and you got to think that Edmonton's of art and some of these guys have a lot, uh, a lot to do with that. And they, they were kind of pressed into that too, right? I think when Edmonton arrived here, he probably thought Shea Weber was going to play for a long time. And if it wasn't going to be Shea Weber, it was Carey Price was going to be playing for a long time. And, and, and Savard can say the same thing as well. And they've kind of been thrust into that and again just from the people we speak to it's it's a very tight it's a good locker room just need the talent level to be a little bit better and things will work will work themselves out yeah and that uh that type of uh teamwork that interconnectivity that leadership uh from the outside uh i i'm judging it from the outside clearly uh it looks really strong like i I work in an industry where leadership is essential yeah. and I, I have to judge the leadership potential of those I I'm watching from a distance. And what I'm seeing from these guys is that they're, they're setting themselves up for success, especially around Suzuki. He's, they're giving him every uh, prop up they can find. And this is not something that's going to pay off this year, next year, five years down the road is when we're really going to see, the real payoff for the work that they're putting in right now to help him out. I hope it's not 
five years away. I hope it's a little bit less than that. <laughs> a little bit less. Well, oh, within now and then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I don't think it's something, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, like captaincies, I think there's too much put on that and this and that. Um, but I, I think there's definitely, and you're looking at a team that's going to turn over here, right? And Roi is going to make his way to the lineup and Beck's going to make his way into the lineup and Hoffman's days are numbered and Drouin's days are numbered. And then you go on the back end, like with the guys we've mentioned already and Harris and uh, uh, Norlander, Yulonen and uh, Barron. And this, we're just rattling off young player after young player. You're going to need something back there because when, you know, the poo hits the fan, um, somebody needs to lead by example. And even for Nick Suzuki too, like he's the captain and all that. But, you know, for me with Nick Suzuki, I'm like, I don't want him to be a leader. I want him to be a point of game guy. Like, you know, I, I not that it matters that he has a C or doesn't have the C. My, my vote for the C was always going to be Edmondson. I'm like, just let Nick Suzuki go play hockey, not have to get into somebody's face. When they lose five games in a row, doesn't have to stand up in front of the room and circle the wagons or any of those things. Just let him focus on uh, hockey. And I, I don't think that anything that they've done this year, the losing streaks or anything, has anything to do with his leadership. It has everything to do with the amount of talent that they put on the ice on a nightly basis. Uh, but you definitely need, uh, when things are going to go bad, especially a young group, and I, and I use that example of the Oilers from back then, when there was just, you know, they look around the room and nobody had an answer for anything. So it'll be interesting to see how Hughes plays this going forward, because I just think that people will call fools, Savard, and people will call for Edmondson as well. Yeah, uh, I think Savard's more of a guy that maybe next year they might get some calls. But right now, I think Edmondson's probably there. Him and Matheson are probably the two defensemen that uh, Hughes is going to get calls on. And Edmondson's probably the only one he's willing to move. Uh, it's it's just um, how how much does he value that third first round pick? And I, I think, you know, Edmondson, I don't think will go for a first. You know, I know a lot of people talk about how Ben Chirot went for a first last year to Florida. He did. Uh, but the, the, I think general managers have learned from that. They don't double, like general manager doesn't double down because Florida made a mistake. Then I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to make a mistake as well. That's not how general managers work. Uh, so I, I think they'll be a little mm -hmm. bit more reluctant to hand out that first round pick. But Matheson is a name that's popped up. I know that uh, there's been a couple uh, of uh, sports hosts in this city on the French side that have mentioned it. Um, that's the only thing intriguing th there is, you know, what first round pick you want to get and how badly do you want a third first round pick? It's I a don't. pretty deep draft, but... Pretty deep yeah. draft, but I just don't think that there's going to be an impact player for the upcoming year or the year after between 25 and 32. Now, you know, we spoke about the Dallas Stars before. They're two best players. They're both point-of-game players. They got both of them in the second round. I get that. that. And, um, yeah. I get and that. And if you move the game that We can also play the game that how many second-round picks are not point-of-game players. Uh, yeah. There's a, probably a lot more, but I just can't see how, how they'd move on Matheson. Like, they went and got him, right? They, yeah. We circled him and... They brought him on the club. I think they're happy with what they've seen. I'd be very surprised if they move. They'd have to get completely like blown away by a deal. And when you think about it, you trade you let's say you trade him for that third first round pick this year. In three years' time, 
you'll be lucky for that player to become the next Matheson. Sure. He's got, so you're not really not, not moving up anything. No, he's got to exceed for that, for that deal to work out. He's got to be better than what Mike Matheson is right now. And I don't, you know, Mike, Mike's Mike's not all world, but he's, he's good. Fits kind of what they're trying to do. They want a lot of foot speed back there. So you're right about that. That player has to exceed uh, whatever Mike Matheson's uh, value is. And I, look, it's nice to have all the prospects, but you know, we can, uh, we can rattle, like how deep are the halves on the blue line when it comes to prospects too, right? They're not all going to play, or at least they're not all going to play yeah. for the Canadians because the, the, it just, there's too many bodies back there. So at some point you'll have to make certain decisions, but I'm just thinking, it, I don't think they make that decision with Matheson. Uh, I think they went and got him for a reason. I agree. And before I let you go, sure. uh, this we're in the, we're in the trade deadline week. How quiet do you, how bad do you feel for the TV guys on Friday when all the trades are already done now? I, I feel bad for me. Uh, I'm in with the Camel <laughs> versus Gallo. We're in for Melnick between two and six on Friday. So, oh. yeah. Uh, I feel more bad for Campbell and Gallo and myself. No disrespect to James Duffy. I'm pretty certain he's going to get paid a lot more for that shift that he does then the shift the three of us are going to do on uh, on a TSN 690 on Friday between 2 and 6. Um, I don't know. I just – maybe the Kane. But, again, I'd be, I'd be blown away if he doesn't go to the Rangers. Um, but, no, it's just going to be a whole lot of recapping. Uh, it's kind of crazy, eh? Like, the way things just took off on the weekend. Like, somebody made their move. I think the O'Reilly move was the one that triggered everybody. Uh, yeah. Everybody, It'll happen. Everybody settled in for a few days. Everybody got on the phone, but that was the deal that sent everybody. Uh, you know, the Bruins made their move with Orlov. Uh, Tampa Bay seems like they've made their move. Uh, the Islanders were first up with Bo Horvat, but it kind of seems like uh, the arms race started the moment uh, the Leafs got uh, O'Reilly. Uh, I, I'm more interested to see what's going to happen. You know, I, with the Habs, okay, he drew and goes and stuff like that. I, I don't think it's a game changer or anything like that, but I'll be interested to see what happens in Edmonton. It's the hmm. it's the one spot that intrigues me. Will they try to go get better at goaltending? I don't know if they can. Will they try to get better on that blue line? I think they should. Uh, that's the one team that intrigues me. And there's not a lot of bodies left unless somebody somebody out of nowhere. I like to see Buffalo make a move. Yeah. Well, they've apparently they've got the cap space to take on an entire NHL team now. Yeah. And you know what? I know you're playing with house money. Uh yeah. You know, you you weren't supposed to be in the postseason, but man, that's a good little hockey team. I don't know, just tweak the line and make it a little bit better. I, I don't think they can knock off Carolina or the Bruins, but I, I'd like to, you know, I think that the way I've looked at it and a lot of trade deadlines, and sometimes that, that I was critical of Mark Bergevin because the time he did it with Thomas Vanek, it was gold. It worked out. They got to a conference final and Thomas Vanek was playing at a point of game clip there for a while in the, in, in the regular season. I just think that you... You can ask your players to do so much. And with the Buffalo Sabres, I think they've asked their players to do whatever it is, and they've exceeded expectations. And for me, as a general manager, I'd like to throw them bone. And what that bone may be, yeah, man, just another NHL body that is better than one of the guys that they have on their bottom six. So i like to see Buffalo. I'm a fan. Uh, I've watched that franchise my entire life. No aggression towards them. I was a big fan of Pat LaFontaine growing up. Uh 
So I'd like to see that team do well. And if they can just get a little bit better somewhere, wherever, I, I, I can't really tell you that I can dissect that team, but if they can get somewhere a little bit better, I'd love to see that Buffalo team get a little bit better. You know, honestly, for the fan base there, I think that would be amazing. They haven't seen a playoff game in so long. Even if you just uh, you reward the team with uh, with a little bit of a, you guys have done good, here's, here's a little extra help. And on top of that, you get the fans involved in a playoff run again. Well, at least a playoff series. And you give a little bit of experience to young guys like uh, like Darlene and Power. The whole group, they they could use that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Like, uh, it's been a great year for them. I do believe that they'll be postseason bound this year. Uh, but forget the, you know, what, what happens between game one and 82. It, it, what happens the moment that team hits the ice in game 83 that's bad for the Habs, right? Because that team is going to taste that and they're going to be, you know, you know that they'll be back next year looking uh, for the same thing. You know, Jeff Skinner uh, having a good year. Tage Thompson is an absolute uh, beast. And like you said, I like that fan base. They've been through enough. Their football team uh, has been through enough as well. Uh, they brought those fans through the ringer. Uh, every time I turn on the news, there's like a snowstorm that's hitting them that it's like epic, uh, biblical, so, you know, maybe a little bit of hockey relief in April for the, the good fans in Buffalo would be ideal. Well, absolutely. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's good for the Canadians to have a little bit of a rivalry going because there's going to be t- – the Leafs are going to start dropping. The Bruins are probably going to take a dip. And it's the Canadians, the uh, the Sabres, the Red Wings. Those are the teams that are going to start and- picking it up. So I'm looking forward to that kind of – a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, mostly because that, and I really want to see Toronto dip. They might, uh, you know, that that's uh, that, that Austin mass move from a couple of years ago when he took that five-year contract, I said it then like people were like, why didn't he take the money? I'm like, cause he's smart. Cause his, his, his team, his think tank is smart. And, you know, Connor McDavid probably going to wish, uh, you know, depending on this year goes, cause we've got to remember they got to a conference final last year. And to me as a yeah. fan of any team that I root for, if you, if you're in one of the final four, to me, it's been a successful year. Uh, what you do after that is just gravy. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens with Matthews and, you know, Willie, uh, Willie Nylander's, his contract's coming up too. And he's as, he's as good as he's one of the 20 best players in the league. So they're on the clock. Well, you see it on the clock. You see with every move that they make that they they're on the clock. I just I like the brand of hockey that they play. Uh, so, but yeah, you know, Sens is another team that you know Buffalo Sens and the the Habs that you know they're on the bottom of that Atlantic division. But it's I I do believe like you, it's about to turn. Although I've said that for the last couple of years with the Bruins, specifically going into this year, I didn't think they were going to be even playoff bound, let alone chase down the. Uh, you know, 140 point plateaus. So I, I'll just stop talking about the Bruins. But yeah, it, those will be the teams that'll be going forward, man. I like what Buffalo's done. I like what they've done on their blue line. Again, you know, we mentioned Carolina and the Rangers teams that have and and Boston that have been successful because what they've done on the blue line. And you look at uh, Buffalo as well. They've gotten a lot better because guys on that blue line know how to handle the puck. Now, before I let you go, uh, why don't you let everybody who's watching and listening know where to where your new show is located so on a tsn 690 um saturdays and sundays the starters between uh, 7 a.m and 9 a.m with uh, joy alfieri and dave trent to it's nice i like doing the uh seven to nine thing just started that uh, we had lost 
uh, our the local radio. Um, and I just thought that there was, uh, I've never pitched for a show. I've never asked when others have left the station. I've never threw my name in the mix. For those who don't know, I'm a full-time uh, real estate broker. Uh, and I've been part-time with the radio station for about 15 years. And I love the relationship I have with the station. They need me. I go. They, if they need me and I can't go, I go the next time. Uh, but I just felt that there was a void uh, when it came to a little bit of the Saturday, Sunday, early morning stuff. So we put it together with Joey and Dave. And uh, we got ourselves a little show on, on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings between 7 and 9. Well, I'm just glad that there's finally a show to listen to that early in the morning. Because even on the weekends, I got to get up at that hour. Me so too, brother. Me too. It's good to fill it in a little bit. That was um, my thing. I used to go on my coffee runs. And, you know, I love yeah. college basketball. But I didn't want to hear about Syracuse and uh, Georgetown going off on the uh, 12 o'clock tip-off. Not now. Not Saturday morning. I don't need to hear this now. Exactly. But uh, Simon, I, want, I really want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I know it's been a long time coming and that's on my, that's my fault for not asking sooner, but I really appreciate you jumping on board as soon as I asked and coming on and just shoot the breeze about not just hockey, but all sports and the little chat we had before we came on air. That's it. I, I appreciate it, man. Anytime. Uh, love reaching out, love talking pucks, love talking Habs. Uh, so don't be a stranger. I won't. Thank you very much. And for my listeners, uh, thank you guys for listening. Keep sending in those, uh, those requests, those emails, the, the interactions on social media. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.